a lot of companies have, have retained their office uh, estate and just wanted to see how the market's going. Others have got rid of it and therefore there's probably a bit more supply back into the office market. Agents tend, do tend to like working with me um, and w working with us. We taught their language. We, we, we know our way around a lease, we know our way around a deal and it becomes a more simplified transaction. Um, but ultimately I'm there to do uh, the best service and the best job I can for my clients. So that's getting the best lease, getting the best incentives and just making sure that they are protected um, from some of the things that they get caught out by normally. Welcome to the Business Sense podcast. I'm Gary Crosby. This is the podcast where we make sense of the business journey by talking to owners about what they've learned along the way. Let's jump into today's episode. Um, Jonathan, thanks for joining us on the Business Sense podcast this morning. Pleasure. <laughs> Looking forward to this. Um, obviously, you are the least negotiator, but give me a little bit of context. What uh, is your business? What do you do? Um, fundamentally, it's to help business owners grow their businesses. Um, and one of the challenges that business owners face when trying to scale or grow uh, is the property issue. Um, and that is either through trying to find uh, a property to expand into or simply negotiation. And as the lease negotiator, we help business owners, directors, uh, founders through that property journey by taking sort of the property issues and uh, yeah, helping them through that process. Mm. Uh, what do you think is the biggest challenge that they face? Then is it is it a knowledge thing? Is it time? What do they what do they need? It's it, it's exactly those two uh, um, points. First is time. Often, sort of business owners are so busy and heavily entrenched in running the business that they just simply haven't got the spare time to go and find a solution. And passing it down to a um, junior member of staff again isn't necessarily the right answer. Mm. Um, so what you often find is sort of business owners will try and do it at weekends or when they get a spare moment. And when you come to try and find property, it needs to be consistent in terms of just, it's difficult to find mm. often. Mm -hmm. uh, often the properties are in short supply and having a, trying to do it ad hoc just doesn't work. Um, and then secondly, in terms of the knowledge, I think, a lot of business owners will think that negotiation skills are general, mm -hmm. um, whereas I, I think just through my own experience, property is very, very specific. Um, it's quite technical. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't got that skill set, again, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And the conversations I've had with business owners over the years in terms of, oh, we made that mistake or we fell into that trap or we, we didn't realize, um, as the lease negotiator, we just help to prevent those kind of issues arising by mm. getting it right at the start. Mm. And I do want to talk about the customer journey because I think that whole journey from, you know, um, finding the property to occupying it, to using it, maybe then getting to the end where you, you know, you're moving on to another property and you have to end the lease and things. But we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. But um, I was looking at the residential property market um, recently, and of course that's down from its highs in sort of August 2022. We're yeah. seeing property <laughs> prices dropping off. What's happening in the commercial property market generally? Um, it continues to be, I think, a fairly mixed bag. Obviously the commercial property is a very wide um, spectrum. Mm -hmm. So you've got retail, you've got industrial, you've got uh, life science and sort of the biotech and lab sector. Um, industrial and then offices and I think uh, it's very difficult to pin it down into sort of mm. one scenario because you've got very different locations you've got very different sectors um, I think that 
generically or generally, I think the industrial sector has performed incredibly well from a landlord's position. Um, there's been a lack of supply. Um, there's been quite a lot of demand from businesses who are moving and expanding yeah. it within that sector. So that's been a very buoyant market. Um, offices have, are very much in transition. Um, mm. I, I think you've, we've heard a lot of commentators saying that obviously uh, there was an immediate reaction uh, COVID-wise in terms of having to get people working from home very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, at that point, <clears throat> businesses had to react um, and many did so very successfully. And then there's been a, a very difficult position with mm. now between obviously employees that are going, well, we can actually work from home. Why do we need to come into the office? Yeah. And the employers going, well, actually, we want you back. So I think in terms of so offices have, have been very mixed in terms of uh, a lot of companies have, have retained their office uh, estate mm -hmm. and just wanted to see how the market's going. Others have got rid of it and therefore there's probably a bit more supply back into the office market. Um, but we're now starting to see almost a shift where people... Um, I think Google have made an announcement recently that they want everybody back in the office yeah. at least three days a week. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting sector. Um, and then retail. And I think it, it's been very well publicized in terms of the almost death on the high street. Mm. Um, and the problems that retail is facing in terms of attracting customers back into, into the shops. Yeah. Um, the government have made uh, obviously one of the planning situations is they've made it easier for the use classes so uh, different properties to or sorry properties to change the use so obviously that's helped just revitalize things a bit but um yeah the retail sector is probably still quite tough mm. and retail being changed into uh, residential even in some cases yeah um residential there's even talk Obviously, one of the sectors that does seem to be booming at the moment is this, all this life science and biotech. So there's even talk of shopping centres being converted mm. into huge um, laboratories. Wow. Um, which obviously is a complete change, yeah. change in direction. But um, and it's great that, you, <coughs> that those type of buildings and type, type of things can be repurposed. Mm. And, and you've done a lot of work, I know, in the biotech sector. That must yeah. be particularly <laughs> demanding in terms of you know, the, the technical aspects of the building. Uh, very much so, um, and it is a. It's it, there seems to be a huge amount of investment going into that sector at the moment. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we've we've done some very interesting work and uh, had some really great. It's great to talk to these businesses in terms of their journey, um, what they're up to, and mm -hmm. uh, really innovative. And uh, yeah, it's great to be involved in it. And, and you know, I guess very specific requirements for power supplies and ventilation, and not allowing viruses to escape, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's it's really interesting in terms of again the spectrum from a. I'm working with one company at the moment that, that just need a manufacturing facility. They've got this particular product that they roll that they um, uh, sell out into the pharma industry, mm. um, and they just need somewhere to manufacture that facility. So it's a it's a bit more than a basic industrial unit right yeah. through to the yeah very clean mm. uh, clean rooms that uh, that's sort of very high spec mm. and and one of the things that um uh, it feels to me like you know watching and listening to what you've been doing that um there is a power dynamic in the commercial property market you know you've got landlords you've got agents you've got tenants yeah. just talk me through that in terms of the relationship between those three yeah this is i suppose this has been a really interesting 
conundrum that I've been trying to solve from a, again from a business perspective. We'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but um, I think a lot of business owners um, don't necessarily realise sort of the very close relationship between the landlords and the property agents. And mm. when you go to, to a property agent, you're expecting them to be able to help you find a property when in reality what they're doing is they're acting for landlords mm. um, and that landlord agent relationship is incredibly close. Um, and as a business owner, you're almost on the outside of that, which is, and that's to some extent what the lease, op, lease mm. negotiator has been trying to solve and to help, yeah, I suppose, balance that dynamic. Mm. So you're operating on the side of the tenant. Um, not not in battle with the agent and the landlord, but looking to find a, a, a you know good solution for, for yeah, all sides. I think, I think in terms of again, it, it, my conversations with agents, uh, agents tend do tend to like working with me um, mm -hmm. and w working with us because um, we taught their language. We 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 know our way around a lease. We know our way around mm -hmm. a deal, and it becomes a more simplified transaction. Um, but ultimately, I'm there to do uh, the best service and the best job I can for my clients. So right. that's getting the best lease, getting the best incentives, and just making sure that they are protected um, from some of the things that they get caught out by normally. Mm. So let's let's think about that customer journey then, because clearly, as you said at the beginning, that, that there's an enormous amount of complexity in it. Yes. Um, but the first thing I guess, if I was running a company, and I'm thinking about right now is the time for me to start thinking about upgrading my property, for example, or moving into my first unit or whatever. Yeah. There's the property finding conundrum. Um, what's the best way for me as the business owner through that? Um, I, I suppose the, the quick answer is to appoint somebody. Mm. like us to, to help you through that process if you're doing it yourself um then the journey is normally through um searching on websites yeah so there's various and this is probably the, the complexity um in the residential market it's largely dominated by right move mm -hmm. uh, but in the commercial market there's there's very right move have got a presence mm -hmm. but there's probably three or four other websites as well that are all competing yeah so part of the challenge from the business owner's perspective is I suppose knowing where to look. Mm -hmm. um, and even some agents won't necessarily advertise on, on those platforms. So whereas in probably the residential market, you can just go to right move and probably get 95% of the market yeah. in the commercial market, it's a bit more complex in terms of having to find that, yeah, those yeah. sites. Um, but it would be contacting the agents that are operate locally. Mm -hmm. So you, first of all is, is understanding who, are the main agents um, marketing properties in that local arena. And that in itself is a challenge because whilst you've got um, some local regional agents, mm -hmm. national operators or national agents will often come in from time to time. So it is, it is quite widespread mm -hmm. <laughs> in terms mm -hmm. of trying to find that building. And I, I don't know this, but I, so, so it's a question really. Do, are there commercial properties that change hands without ever coming to the market? Um, Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I think if you if you know who's moving locally, mm. um, you you might uh, have a conversation with those companies, and mm. and again, it, I suppose it comes back down to contacts. So who knows in terms of when those situations occur, and having a conversation with them might be bank managers, it might be accountants, yeah, um, and agents. So I think ultimately, if you, it, it does come back down to how 
strong that relationship with an is an agent because the agents will often go out or will go out to properties uh, to view them and to list them. So often the agent will have seen and know mm. about a property coming onto the market probably several weeks, even months before it actually does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you've got a close relationship with an agent, sometimes those agents will say, oh, I know you've got a client X who's looking for this. Mm -hmm. We've just been out to have a look at this building. And for the agent, that's a very, very easy deal. Mm. And for the business owner, that would be completely invisible. Uh, Correct, you know, yeah. As you said at the beginning, appointing uh, someone like you helps that. Yeah, and, and the amount of conversations I've had over the years about business owners who come to me and say, we've missed out on that property, we may be putting off a forward, or we weren't even aware that it came to the market and it's gone. Yes. Um, mm. So unfortunately, and this is not all agents, but some agents have their favorite people that they deal with. Mm. Um, and, and at that point of view, it becomes, a bit, I suppose, a bit of a closed shop, isn't it? And, mm. and how do you get involved and how do you find out those kind of situations? Yes. How could you, you know, because it's an invisible environment. But, it is. but let's say you do. Let's say, I, I, you know, I've now found the property that I, I want yeah. and I'm now into that power dynamic between me and the agent and the landlord. And I've, yeah. and I've, got, and I've got to negotiate. Let, let's just talk through, I guess, the, the common pitfalls for me as a business owner at that stage of the process. It, yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's interesting because um, I, I think it's really important to understand when you get to find a building that you uh, is suitable, um, some of those emotions then start to come out mm -hmm. because some, some business owners and businesses may be looking for years to try and find the building. Yeah. And if they then find something that fits, it's very hard not to show that through your expressions or what you say. <laughs> um, and, and the challenge behind that is as soon as you do that, the agents are representing the landlords. Mm. And th at that point, it becomes um, information that maybe you shouldn't have said or a reaction yeah. that you shouldn't, you shouldn't have uh, <laughs> This is perfect to. for it, me. It, absolutely. And <laughs> the best I've, building I've ever seen. I've, I've had... <laughs> Because I used to be a property agent, so I, I, I've kind of worked on that side of the fence as well. And yeah. um, many business owners, you kind of get them to the viewing, and they've, and they've said, "Oh yeah, we've just won a contract. We can't. We've not been able to find a building." And at that point, it's music to an agent's ears because yeah, yeah. they've almost got them boxed into a corner in terms of the deal. Mm, mm. Um, and fundamentally, they are there to do the best deal they can for their. Yeah landlord client so if i appointed the lease negotiator then i wouldn't be there face to face you know displaying those emotions you'd be you'd be my yeah well, agent for want of a better word absolutely so mm. um and we know what to say what not to say um because it, it, there's a very very fine line between um making the agent aware that you're interested mm -hmm. and making them aware that you are um a sensible tenant mm -hmm. um and then obviously giving too much, too much away. Yes. Because also at the end of the day, I've, I've had business owners that have come into buildings as well that have completely dismissed it mm. and, and, and everything's rubbish about the building and then made an offer. And again, that in itself goes, well, yeah, they're interested because they've just, yeah, of course. So it, it it's, <clears> a, <throat> the negotiations, as you know, are probably a, a very, it's an art form mm -hmm. and being skilled in that helps to, to get you the best deal. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier on the idea of um, incentives, which I, um, I'm, again, from a position of ignorance, I'm not really sure what that means, but from your perspective, acting as an agent for the, the tenant, yeah. um, what kind of incentives are we talking about? What, what can happen at that stage? So from, 
this is this is all about understanding what do landlords generally want to get out of the transaction mm. and once you understand that that then enables you to tweak the deal and to um work the deal and and, and give the landlord what they're after but without necessarily negating what you're doing for your client and the and the business owner but one way of doing that in terms is maximizing the incentive so it seems like landlords are really concerned about what they, what we call covenant strength mm -hmm. so this is the strength of the tenant mm -hmm. um and i'm i deal with businesses from startups through to 100 million pound turnover businesses um and if you if either of those spectrums go to a landlord they will get very very different deals yeah of course because the yeah. landlord is after the security of a um a tenant uh, being able to pay the rent on time and and knowing that they will hopefully be there for the full term of the lease sure so covenant strength is one length of lease is also really important uh break clauses are there repairing liability um and what the way the way i sort of generally phrase this is you've got different levers and different mechanisms of a lease mm. um, and depending on which lever and mechanism you pull depends on what incentives you can get out of it so yeah. and and incentives are typically rent free periods um, so that's a period of time where you don't pay rent generally at the start of a lease but it can happen through the lease um, reduce rent so there's often okay. a way to, to negotiate a cheaper deal maybe in the first few years or even reduce the asking rent in entirely over the term of the lease or mm -hmm. up, up until the first rent review um, and sometimes there are landlords contributions to fit out works so if a tenant often a tenant will have to go in and spend yeah. some money fitting out to their requirements sometimes the landlords will contribute to that fit out mm. and just thinking back over the you know the time of the, the lease negotiator has been in business can you uh, can you Give me an example of where you've stepped in on behalf of a tenant and secured some strong incentives. Yeah, so um, it, it was a transaction that, that uh, I was involved in um, a few years ago. Um, there was a, um, it was a lease assignment and, um, and basically there was five years left to run on the lease. Um, I think we we're in competition from, from what the agent said. There was other people interested in the building um but we've managed to as part of the the, the lease deal we negotiated six hundred thousand pounds worth of savings um for that particular client wow so um obviously it was a large building mm. um but that enabled them to really progress and spend money in terms of helping them move or yeah uh, obviously not all deals are like that but mm. that's a that's a pretty good example in terms of where we were able to get a reverse premium from the client uh, from the uh, outgoing tenant um, and that helped massively with with the costs of yeah. the client moving and I'm imagining a business owner with very little time and and not quite enough knowledge struggling trying to struggle through that process and not being able to secure that kind of um, you know deal in the end yeah and I think uh, and, and the interesting thing about that particular client is they've been searching for a while not mm. been able to find it and then found the building so it comes back down to that earlier conversation in terms of yeah not knowing how hard to push to get the best deal mm. um, and not wanting to lose the building because mm. often that's the the key criteria is if you find something that is suitable and it allows your business to expand yeah then often you don't want to lose the building and therefore you may mm. leave money on the table i suppose mm. 
Um, and so the, uh, you know, the lease negotiator, I guess, isn't just about that initial period. There's going to be times when people are renewing leases or trying to end leases or that kind of thing. What else Certainly. do you see in the market? Yeah, so um, uh, we offer the, the, full, the full service where somebody can come in and we can kind of take them from start to the finish. Um, we, we, we have occasions as well where people have already identified the building mm -hmm. and then just simply want us to, the, to do the negotiation. Mm -hmm. um, that's great. That's fantastic. And uh, delighted to get involved with those. Um, we also get to the point where clients have actually negotiated the deal, so they've negotiated a letting, and then they want us to go through it with a sort of fine tooth comb and sanction and see if there's anything else we can do. Right. Um, happy to do that, but it's almost a bit too late. Feels a bit late. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, the, at that point, the landlord, or sorry, the business owner's already agreed in principle or mm -hmm. agreed in draft form what they're prepared to accept and therefore taking a step back becomes a bit tricky but again we're able we are able to do it and yeah in 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 those circumstances we have still been able to negotiate further incentives um but sometimes it can cloud the relationship between landlord and tenant if it's gone too far advanced yeah um and then yeah and then the sort of the final but is like I say, lease exit. So we've got a situation uh, at the moment where um, a tenant um, is in the building, they've, they're relocating to another site um, and they've asked us uh, if we can help through at least surrender mm -hmm. and negotiate an exit with the with the landlord to allow them to release that building and then to, to take on uh, mm. the new site. Mm. It's, so it's full sort of cradle to grave type service it, effectively it is yes um and i guess people sometimes get caught when they move out when the landlord says um you need to put this building back to how it was or <laughs> something like that have you got any stories about dilapidations and repairs i, I think the um yes i think certainly for, i think the biggest argument generally at the end of the lease is around dilapidations and how mm. how tenants are expected to leave the building um and it's relatively easy if you know at the start there are ways that you can mitigate your liability mm. but if you don't do that at the start it can be very very costly on exit mm. um and that's one again one of the reasons that i think you should always take professional advice around somebody like like a lease negotiator or somebody similar to make sure that you are protected because um having and and, and what surprises me time and time and time again is the business owners that go oh, it'll be okay yeah. Um, I'm working with, with one company at the moment and, um, uh, as part of their sort of relocation, I've, I've spoken to them and, and, and said, look, as part of this process, you really need to understand what your exit figures are mm. because that, that could be quite a big number. And if, if that comes, uh, once you've signed the lease, you're then caught in a position that's, um, very untenable almost in terms of that cost. Mm. So, um, to be aware is to be forearmed isn't it and if you're aware of what those figures are in terms of what it's likely to cost you um it just makes for a much better informed decision and we, and, we, and we'll whilst we, we're not building surveyors we can certainly point people in the right direction to get that advice mm -hmm. um and often the landlords i've got one at the moment where the landlord is um off suggesting a dilapidations figure and the tenants have done their own survey and it's a third of the cost mm -hmm. So landlords will look to try and take take advantage is the wrong word, but we'll look to maximise their returns of out of the dilapidations where mm. 
often there can be a fight, I suppose. And I imagine at the beginning, when you're excited about a new building and excited about expanding your company, something that's going to happen in five or 10 years' time is probably off your Absol radar. Absolutely. Yeah. I, worry, I worry about that in time. Yeah. I might not be even, even in the business at that point is, is yeah. one of the, the yeah. comments. that So they'll leave the problem for somebody else to deal with. Mm. Um, but off, and, and often it's a very, or it can be a very significant problem. Mm. And, and I want to talk more generally about um, the business, Jonathan, because there's something that you've done recently that um, I've not seen a lot of people do, but I do. I know that it does happen, and that is a rebranding exercise yes. for the lease negotiator. <laughs> so, so um, let's start with the motivation of that. What was it that motivated you to to rebrand? Um, I, I think it, it, it was. Um, when I first set up in business, I, it, I was, I, I suppose I was quite, um, I was very keen to represent the small business owner yeah. um, and to protect their interests. Um, and, and one of the challenges around that is small business owners sometimes don't necessarily have the um, the money or the or the way with all or the, mm -hmm. um, yeah, or, or, or the, the situation is they don't necessarily want to employ somebody else to do it, that they think they can do it themselves. So over the, over the past few years, um, the lease negotiator has been dealing with larger and larger and larger clients. Mm. Um, but the, I think having relooked at the website, it still represented a sort of relatively smaller business. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost the lease negotiator becoming a, a bit more grown up, I suppose, mm. um, and taking a fresh look at things, trying to trying to look at a different audience in terms of the scale of businesses that we're now that we're now dealing with. Um, and just making sure that the the website reflected, I suppose, who we are now. Mm, mm. And I imagine that um, you know, there might be a lot of business owners who've been in the business three or four years and they're thinking exactly the same, you know, that the brand that we started with that was maybe <laughs> something we created ourselves doesn't look um, quite the way we'd like it to. What, what are the sort of challenges that you face then when you actually trigger that idea of rebranding? Um, it's all it's all around trying to hit the right target market mm -hmm. um we we worked with a um company called gray coffee um and they went through a process what they call clarity mm -hmm. which really is going back down to your basics of who you are what you're trying to achieve your purpose yeah your target market um and and from that that then gives you a really good platform and foundation to then look at okay what do we need to do how do we need to communicate yeah um what's colours in terms of communication so i think part of the challenge is without that you kind of you, as with all the, these things getting an expert on board to help you through that process mm. um was what we <coughs> felt we had to do mm. um and, and and yeah it comes back down to communication just making sure that you are communicating and and i think the other significant challenge for me is we deal with such a wide-ranging market yeah. so as i said we, we have we, we deal with startups right through to almost multinational businesses mm. um and through the different sectors so we deal with offices we deal with warehousing and and distribution we deal with retail we deal with leisure and we deal with sites mm. so and the, the thing about marketing is they always say communicate to one individual Mm. And across those different industries and sectors, it's quite hard to, because they all want different things. Mm. But I think fundamentally, what we all brought it back down to is trying to communicate with the business owner that goes, I've got a problem. I need to expand the business. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't got the time. Um, I've, I'm in a position where I haven't necessarily got the knowledge. 
can we find somebody to bring in to do that for us? So it becomes rather than, so it, I suppose it's coming back down to that individual yes. and it doesn't necessarily mean, um, mean that that it, what it individual doesn't necessarily sit in different types of sector or industry or, or yeah. even size of business, I suppose. So they're broadly all, as we said at the beginning, you know, short of time, short of knowledge. Um, they want to get focused on growing the business yeah. and this very complex environment and problem that sits out there which is property scaling up is best left to someone else yeah, yeah. and i think yeah. and i think uh, it, it, just just thinking about it as well it, not being able to find the building often is a very very significant barrier mm. to being able to grow a business it, i suppose it's, it comes back down to people like people and human resources isn't it if mm. you can't find the people your business won't grow yeah and, and I, I tend to, I'd like to try and put property into, into that same arena because if you've not got the property to be able to grow your business, it, it, it stays stagnant or, or yeah. goes backwards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So thinking about the, the rebranding and the way that uh, you're now going to go out and face the market, what do you hope that the rebranding achieves? What's the, what would success look like? Um, I think, I think certainly for, I think it's, it's, um, Part, part of the issue that uh, we face as a business is that the service that we offer isn't particularly well known. Mm -hmm. So um, <clears throat> the challenge that we, one of the challenges that we've always faced is if a business owner's sitting in their office or in their industrial unit or factory or whatever, um, and, they, and they've got this property issue, where do they go and find a solution? Mm -hmm. The natural reaction and, and the well-trodden route is through the commercial property agent. Mm. who are marketing the buildings but as we've spoken before or spoken earlier that necessary doesn't produce the best and most efficient result so part of our challenge is almost like a re-education of the market to say mm. that if we can attract the business owners and even be, make them more aware that this is a solution and this is an opportunity um, that is available and it and i think that would be the success is to is to start to drive more yeah. conversations with business owners just to make them aware that this service does exist mm. so higher higher visibility and, and higher visibility. High awareness absolutely yeah. yeah yeah and i guess yeah. timing is a thing because you know you could talk to many people you could reach out through the the medium of the website and social media and things like that to people who probably could use the service but it might not be for another four or five years time <laughs> absolutely. That, that must be a real challenge <laughs> it is yeah um and, and that's i suppose that's the thing about commercial property isn't it and, and, and you've raised a really good point there because um, it's something that is often infrequently done by business owners. Mm. So it's not something that they do every single week. And therefore, this is where they get the gaps in the knowledge. Yeah. Because yeah. they just, if you're dealing with negotiation every single day or every single week, it becomes second nature to you. Mm. Whereas if you've only done it once or twice in your business career. Yes. It's new every time. It's new, and also the market changes significantly over that period of time, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. you might have done it five or ten years ago, but the market's mm. changed significantly in that period. And that's a, that's a perfect segue in, into my final question, uh, Jonathan, which is looking at the market and thinking what's coming ahead. You know, we've seen technology impacting in lots of different markets. We've seen trends and changes in legislation around use and things like that. What can you see coming down the, the line for commercial property? I, I think the... Obviously, the, the regulations um, are becoming a lot tighter in terms of energy efficiency. Um, yeah. And uh, certainly in terms of a lot of the industrial stock in, in particular um, is 
significantly old is old mm -hmm. um so i think there will be some changes around that sector because yeah. um at, at some point landlords um and probably what they'll try to do is make the tenants um more responsible for bringing these buildings up into a, an efficient state yes um but if units cannot be let because they're not efficient enough then that will take out again a huge amount of stock in the market mm. and that will just put a um a a bigger pressure on those buildings that are available. Um, I think the retail sector um, has gone through a real period of change and will continue to do so. Um, I, I think smaller independent retailers are, um, I'm, I'm just, act, I've just been acting for a, um, an optician that have just opened up their first store. Um, and I think it's really interesting looking into the shopping centers because mm. they've had to, re-engineer and re-change re and there's been some real challenges in terms of how do they make it more attractive to get into the center yeah. and to use their and i think that will continue um and the offices because again there's been a shift away and a move away from offices but mm. we are now saying a real fight for companies wanting to try and get their staff back into yeah i think hybrid working is probably here to stay yeah um yeah, sure but even if you have a hybrid working situation, there may be some efficiency, um, but it, but ultimately you will need a very similar footprint for mm. your staffing. I, I'm always interested in the retail thing because it just feels to me like we're reaping what we've sowed, you know, because as we click on buy now on Amazon um, and stuff arrives the, the next day, that, that that is what we are sowing and the, and the reaping of that is the shops are closing down. It is. Because we want it delivered in a brown box. Uh, we, all, we all do it. <laughs> and so I we think, can't but, have it both. But again, I think the interesting thing there is what, what's happened is, is there's then been a shift away from the retail mm. into sort of larger um, distribution facility. Yeah, cool. So yeah. sort of the half million square foot Amazon yeah. distribution centers yeah. um, that suddenly sort of spring up and up and around the country. Mm. And uh, I've mentioned Amazon, but there's lots of other companies that have all uh, put in sort of regional distribution centers from where they um, send out their uh, yeah, goods to home. The little vans for that final <laughs> yeah. mile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's been a, a real canter through, Jonathan, but uh, thank you for explaining what you do and, and giving us an idea about the potential pitfalls for the business owner of going into the commercial property market. Um, I'm very grateful for your time. Thanks okay. for joining me on the Business Sense podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks, Terry.